Hello everybody and welcome to tonight's MHTV. I'm here as usual with Nikki Lambert and tonight we're talking about um, movies and mental health. So I'm going to introduce you um, to our guests in a minute and then um, but before I do that I'll pass over to Nikki so she can tell you how you can join in tonight. Hi everybody, um, everyone has an opinion on movies and films and we really hope you're joining with us tonight. So the ways that you can do that, if you're on Twitter, you can join in with hashtag MHTV or you can join us on Facebook Live and just make comments as we go along. So please do join in. Thanks, Jessica. Lovely, thank you. So I'm going to go over to Dan first because you're, you're at the bottom of my screen. Can you just um, maybe start with an introduction and tell us what your interest is in movies and mental health? Yeah, I, Scott's going to get a miss here because when I start introducing myself, I'll, I'll finish in about half an hour and then we can kind of close up and stuff. Um, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Uh, I'm a lecturer in mental health nursing at Robert Gordon University and uh, I still do a bit of mentalisation-based therapy uh, for NHS Grampian. I, kinda, I didn't want to lose that sort of connection with practice when I went to university. Um, I guess interest in films, I, I've loved film for years and years. Um, certainly when I started at Robert Gordon University and kind of became sort of friends and colleagues with Scott, uh, we quickly realised that we were sort of like talking about films all the time, talking about mental health all the time. And through that, we kind of developed a mental health movie monthly where we would kind of show films to the public and then create sort of discussions on mental health. So I suppose that's what's kind of brought me to this discussion tonight. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, I'll let Scott introduce himself, but then um, it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit more about your movies and mental health community for people who, who aren't aware of it and might like to get a bit more involved. So, Scott, should we start with you introducing yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I usually, I'm used to going after Dan in the introduction stuff, and usually I just say <laughs> same. <laughs> just the same. Like I'm a lecturer, the same place. Like, we, yeah. We co-founded the same thing. We do. We do the same thing with it. We, we don't. We don't live together. So no. <laughs> um, rather, no judgment here. Than, <laughs> so Dan, yeah, yeah. Dan does uh, MBT, and I am a CBT therapist. Um, but uh, but yeah, other than other than that, uh, well, yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like you've, you're on the same wavelength, anyway. So mm. uh, yeah. Should we, um, yeah, so like I say, it'd be great if you um, if you could just tell us a little bit more, first of all, about the um, the movies and mental health community, um, what it is, how people can get involved, that kind of thing. Sure. Want me to, will I start and then you can fill in the gaps, man? Aye, uh, it's fine, man. Okay. So, yeah, like Dan said, I think it was back in uh, May 2016 um, that we, we ran our first event. Is that right, Dan? Right? Yep. But, um, so we, we talked about film and mental health for a while and uh, in the run-up to it was mental health awareness week maybe mm-hmm. we um we decided that actually the um we thought we should probably do something to mark that mm. and we we had talked about this thing for a while you know maybe we could use this thing that people talk about people openly have opinions about and are happy to talk about all the time in, in film we could use that as a platform for talking about stuff that uh, the people yeah. don't talk about all the time. That that's uh, often still taboo. The people uh, people shy away from talking about. Um, so a really a really simple idea just to to use um, this to uh, you know film to platform these discussions. And we we thought that what we could do is just show a film. So we arranged a license and stuff for the uni. Um, we we arranged a space. We invited people to come along. We sort of emceed and. Uh, 
yeah, we, we showed a film, we showed Take Shelter, um, Michael Shannon film. And uh, quite a lot of people came, a whole bunch of different people, some students, some service users, some lecturers, some uh, members of the general public, some um, and, and people from all, all different backgrounds and, and, and stuff as well. You, you know, we, we specifically held it in a, a part of the uni that was accessible. It, it was kind of in a building that was open late. It was in the building that housed the library. Um, it was on the way out of the building and in the building so that hopefully people would just stop by um, yeah. and just just say, oh, there's a film, you know, maybe I'll stay and, and watch that. And, yeah, and we had a conversation and um, yeah, we, we took it from there. We, we then ran um, monthly, showed, showed a whole bunch of films, but it, it, it really grew. So our that, that was our main purpose to start with was, you know, yeah. to, to get get people talking, but then actually we, we quickly found that it served lots of other purposes as well. You know, there was, it served a, a sort of community purpose. People talked sort of around the water cooler. We, we provided, we were just really um, cheeky and asked lots of, lots of favors, lots of questions. You know, could we get free tea and coffee? Could we get free food? Um, you know, stuff like that. So um, we, we got a little bit of um, support in terms of subsidized tea and coffee from the the providers in the uni we got free food and um yeah people started coming along and we, we always said it didn't really matter why people came along you know if they come along because they're hungry and there's some free food that's great they came along because they were interested in the film just that's great or if they came along because they really felt that they had you know something useful to contribute in terms of talking about mental health or they wanted to learn something about mental health. any reason really was was fine so we we find that it started quickly to kind of serve lots of purposes, people looking out for each other, people sharing experiences and stuff, which uh, which was really good. I'll, yeah. I'll shut up now because I, I feel like I've talked. I was about to say, I fuck, well, I just, well, I just go home. Well, I was about to go home. I fucking am at home, but um, sorry, I'm aware we're live on Facebook as well. Um, I, I know you've, you've covered a lot there, Scott. But like, I think that the community aspect was, um, was something that didn't necessarily kind of foresee that or, or plan for that yeah. but it was something that, that happened really naturally and it was it was really beautiful and I think like you know I mean working in mental health uh, certainly the divide between professional and service user there's sometimes a kind of uh, a power dynamic there and what our showings does was just sort of totally break that down you know what I mean you're just human beings in a kind of cinema-like setting and, and you're watching a film and it was getting people with lived experience and professionals eating pizza together, having conversations together with each opinion uh, of equal kind of worth and equal merit. And that I think that in itself is so powerful for kind of for challenging stigma. You know, I mean, I think some of the some of the difficulties around stigma is that uh, maybe professionals only see people with mental health issues when they're at their worst, when they're really struggling, um, and they don't see them necessarily kind of just in a kind of a more normal kind of context um, and connect as human beings so, so that was that was excellent and uh, I was thinking on, on top of the, the stuff we obviously did within our university um, we kind of hosted stuff at our local kind of independent cinema so I had really quite large events uh, to mark kind of mental health awareness week and, and years following that they were actually part of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival uh, where we had kind of, I think a, a couple of hundred folk uh, in screens and engaged people in in conversation, uh, and we also kind of hosted uh, workshops at a, a 
university in Finland as well. So we kind of brought brought our idea overseas and, and, and had uh, some useful discussions around that. Uh, so it's a, it's a really, really simple idea, but it's it's actually worked really well whenever we've managed to do that. Uh, and obviously we're we're having a bit of a rethink at the moment because of uh, kind of COVID-19 and, and what that's done to the, I guess, the face-to-face -face element of, of what we did. I think yeah. one of the key, key things that we kind of always said was that we wanted to make it safe for, for people as well, we wanted people to feel valued, but, but also to feel safe. And we felt that our experiences uh, as mental health nurses, but, but also as therapists and, and educators, maybe allowed for some of that safety that we could we could try and um, help uh, the, the kind of community come together to, to um, share and value each other's experiences and stuff. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, absolutely. A, a leveller, you know, because everyone loves a film, don't they? Everyone loves, you know, this whole storytelling approach that comes through a film. So I can, you know, I can totally appreciate, like you say, how that would work really well and bring a community together. Like you say, everyone's meeting for the same purpose, not because of someone's mental health and, you know, everyone can connect kind of over a film. And for me, it, films and, and books are all about empathy and connection, aren't they? Which of course mm. is, is massively relevant to mental health, which sort of um, leads me to, to the question around arts and mental health generally. Why do you, why do you think that um, perhaps, I mean, I have my own views because this is something I feel strongly about as well, but why do you two think that the arts are really important in mental health? Yeah, I think, I think people are encouraged to have opinions and, and to share opinions about art um, and, and people feel safe to have subjective opinion, you know, that you don't have yeah. to be an expert to have an opinion on on art, on film, on books, on paintings, on, on whatever it is. Um, and so I, I think that's a really, a really excellent way to then engage, to use, to, to engage people. And we use it in our teaching a, a lot. I know that um, Dan and I are, have been running a, a module over the past few weeks, um, along with, with our colleague Claire. And uh, we've used a lot of um, songs and film clips and, um, and, and stuff to, and we, we've used that, those sort of things for years and we've used full films as well sometimes and, you know, bits from excerpts from books and stuff as well to engage people. It's quite a safe yeah. way to, to start talking about and understanding concepts and theories and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And um, and I think there's so, much, so many opportunities within nurse education, isn't there really? I think where we could, um, you know, be using this just in terms of... Um, you know, helping people to have a more sort of empathic understanding, really. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what interests me as well is um, is why films, why not books and films? Is there any reason why why you focused on films, or indeed, will you be looking at books as well? I think films were certainly felt to be really, really quite accessible. And I guess like it's something that because we were doing the face to face showings, it's something that everyone can share in an experience simultaneously uh, and yeah. there was definitely something about that i mean i know that like i i, I think that I, I think absolutely books I, I i think that you could you could take the, this concept and, and do it in any way you know i mean there's no reason you couldn't have a kind of mental health book club and kind of immerse people in that experience and then come together and discuss it i guess people would be reading uh, at a different pace and stuff like that um, but there's there's something about the the power of film and particularly in a cinema experience with the lights off and the tiered seating where you're really just 
kind of drawn into it. And it's just, just what you were saying, Vanessa, about that encouragement of kind of empathy and kind of mentalizing, really sort of getting into another person's experience and allows you to connect with kind of mental health experiences, sometimes in that once removed way. I mean, yeah. sometimes people will come to our showings and uh, they do sometimes end up talking about their own experiences, but there's not a pressure to do that because you can still be talking about the, the character within the film uh, and exploring it uh, through, through that lens. Yeah, I think yeah. we, um, so we, we published around, around our, our work as well. Um, we're hoping to, to publish again around it um, relatively soon, if any. Uh, if we can get some time to... If, if you can pull your finger out, Scott. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I Well, just like, just do it and I'll stop that saying was, it. There's a tap in for you there. Um, but I, I, in, there, is, there is some research around that, you know, that, that kind of once, once removed way is, um, is a really safe and, and useful way to, to enable people to, to talk about their experiences where otherwise they might, they might not feel safe to do so. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think we could have done it about, you know, about books or about TV shows or, or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I, I think I, I've met quite a few people who've said, I'm not really a reader. You know, I'm not really into books and stuff. I very rarely, I, I was going to say never, but like my mate, my mate Ricky, I'm sure he won't be watching tonight, but he, he told me recently, I don't do films. And he's the only person I've ever met in my life who said that he doesn't watch films. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know anyone who doesn't watch films, really. Yeah. I once well, had a, I once had a girlfriend you? who said that she didn't like music. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I've <laughs> never, it, never heard that from anybody else either. <laughs> Does he, did he say why he doesn't like films? Quite interesting. He's, to know why. He, said, um, he said that he, he doesn't have the attention span for them. He, he likes yeah. he likes TV, okay, um, but he, he prefer like, he, he'll watch golf for a long time. Like, he would watch, <laughs> he'd watch like four or five hours of golf in one sitting and never move from the TV. But um, you <laughs> can't watch a film. So I don't think it's necessarily about attention span, but it's about attention yeah. span for what he, what he um, wants, what he's keen for. Yeah, yeah. I think um, what you were saying about films as well is maybe the difference between films and books is that if you if you read in a book, you kind of develop your own mental representations, don't you, of what you read. Yeah. And um, maybe something about films bringing people together as a community because you're all watching the sort of director's interpretation of it together mm -hmm. having that shared experience of of what we, what was meant so i don't know speculating but something mm -hmm. that occurs to me um that's probably because i know you know if i read a book and i watch a film and i'm sure it's the same for all of us sometimes you can feel really pleased with how the kind of films interpreted a book then other times it's really disappointing isn't it because it's mm -hmm. totally different to the to the way you see you see it um, yeah, I mean, one of the you know, one of the big events that Dan was alluding to that we held was um, the film Mad to Be Normal with uh, with David Tennant. He played Artie Lang, the famous Scottish psychiatrist. Um, the, ah, it was, it was a very interesting film. And the uh, we we were fortunate to have the director come up and uh, we did a, a um, we, we did a showing of the film and a Q and A session with him afterwards, and, and he talked about that kind of process about. Like he, that there was, well, there's that thing, isn't it, about, about truths? So, that, you know, like he, he said, he got some hassle from, from a number of different camps saying, actually, that, that wasn't true. You know, that bit is a kind of biopic, but, but like the, these bits weren't true. And yeah. you're saying, well, actually, like as a director, that, that's 
my job is to make it engaging and interesting for people. And so you put in a love interest into the film that didn't really exist in the, yeah. um, you know, in, in real life as, as far as other people were concerned. But you're saying, actually, this is part of the, the arc. This is part of the story and, you know, the, the Hollywoodization of the, the film that was necessary to make it engaging and to get the story out there, then you need to build bits around it. Yeah, and that's good in the sense of what we were saying about accessibility, isn't it? Because if it was just purely on a sort of intellectual mental health theme in terms of land, then, you know, it would isolate a whole population of people. Whereas if you make it more about the story of somebody's life, then you're more likely to engage a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Nikki, is there any questions coming through? There yet? is questions. And um, I was just, if you if you saw me raise my eyebrows just then, it was just because our, our colleague Adrian has just posited the, I would say, unpopular opinion that there's never been a great movie since Young Guns 2. So this is what I'm having to deal with on social media. I can only assume that it's you guys that are making this happen. So he's, thank he's, you for that. Is he, is he just a big fan of John Bon Jovi? Was, was he in Young Guns 2? Well, is he the one oh, they, they the soundtrack, didn't they? person? Yeah, I, I think he played a role in it as well, maybe. I've not watched it. I, I, I think I went to the cinema to see Young Guns 2 when it came out. I don't think I've seen it since. Mm. What can we say? Right. Adrian, you're barred from comment for the rest of the thing for that. That's gone. No, I, mean, I, I think... I can I see his typing. No, no, Adrian. I, I think that's actually interesting. Like, you know, like what, what is a good film as well? Like, and, and sometimes I find myself... I've probably said it tonight. Well, that's a really good film. But like from, from my... I'm always talking from my own perspective and... Like I, I, Dan knows, I really, I like really, really crap horrors as well. You know, like, like, like seek out bad horrors to, to watch them in. I started watching one the other night. It was called Monster Brawl. And it was like, like monsters. So like a mummy and a witch and uh, I don't know, all, all sorts of mythical cyclops and stuff. And they, um, but they were brought to this graveyard to have like a wrestling tournament. And it was, it was every bit as bad as it sounds. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it sounds like you've got a Sharknado on your hands there. Yeah, I, I quite like those, those sort of Sharknado films and stuff as well. I think I need to put you in touch with Adrian. He just says the way you can tell a good a good film is it's either got Michael J. Fox in it or Emilio Estevez. Again, unpopular opinion <laughs> by Mark too. <laughs> But right. they've both been in some cracking films, by yeah, the way. Yeah. But I think it like it depends what you want a film to do, doesn't it? I mean, I think there's yeah. there's something about your your Oscar winners and stuff like that. You know, I mean, they're like beautifully told, beautifully shot, really immersive kind of experience and stuff. But then, mm. like maybe you're just not wanting something that heavy. And I'm thinking a, a film that myself and Scott would both enjoy again and again would be Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando, yeah. um, which is like I mean, you can't like that was never going to win any Oscars. But there's something about that. <laughs> It's so kind of mindless and macho and ridiculous that it's hilarious, you know what I mean? And I, I get a sense of kind of nostalgia and kind of warmth and and pure escapism whenever whenever mm. I would kind of watch that. Because we're, we're talking about film. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think it's the same with other art forms, isn't it? Like, if you only, if you only read, um, like tomes you know like novels that are they're literary literary masterpieces in your life like if that's the yeah. only writing that you ever read you know maybe, maybe it's quite limiting like sometimes maybe you just want to read a silly limerick or you want to read like you know a little you know a little fun piece or you know a little, little bit about somebody's life or something or you know in music you, you might want to listen to a fun song sometimes and you know, you'll listen to your uh, Beatles or Tchaikovsky or you know some, some of the great stuff yeah um, seemingly objectively great stuff mm. another time but yeah, it's, it's about having that freedom to and, and having that 
knowing yourself, maybe uh, like sometimes I choose films to fit my mood and other times I'll create a mood through, through the film mm, that yeah. I watch. Right. I think that that's something that, that a lot of people are really noticing. I was talking to you guys about that as well. With with lockdown, I made this list of really amazing films I ought to enjoy and watch. But actually, yeah. I went back to things that I, I just enjoy because yeah. they have different connotations with other parts of my life. And when I'm off sick, there were about three films that I will watch. Yeah, And I think there's the films that everybody shares. I think um, something like The Princess Bride is something that people watch when they're sick, for sure. Uh, also, um, <laughs> um, a, a wrestling link with um, Andre the Giant. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, I, I love a film called The 13th Warrior, which has the worst casting you've ever seen. It's an absolutely appalling film, and it really cheers me up. It's got Antonio Banderas in playing an Arab really badly. <laughs> in a way, I'm surprised he wasn't arrested for, frankly. <laughs> so we do have some questions, though. So I'll, I'll come to questions. I feel if we don't put some questions in, we're just never going to get around to them. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, loads of people joining in. Um, Nikki Haley saying, um, have, um, have you got a list of the films that you've shown? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you, Dan. You, you've definitely got a list of them somewhere. Do you have a list somewhere? I'm like, I certainly don't have it to hand. We, we could definitely talk about, about a few that that's kind of stick in our mind. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm certainly happy for folk to get in touch, like through our uh, Twitter or Facebooks and stuff. We've, and request we've put that, that detail could, out, so don't worry, that will come back. Yeah, yeah. I, we've we've shown. I mean, for well four or five years worth of films uh, every month so mm -hmm. there's quite a few in there and I, I guess I think to bear in mind with the films we've shown is we, we don't show things that are very specific about mental illness as it's understood our, our take is always that the mental health experience is depicted in any film with a human being so we've shown stuff as explicit as maybe like Take Shelter and mm -hmm. uh, Requiem for a Dream and stuff like that mm -hmm. but then we've we've shown uh, Star Wars um, what was it uh, A Force Awakens and yeah. we showed uh, Mamma Mia as well which was absolute tripe but we had a really interesting conversation about um, how people uh, express their mental health uh, through song in that as well so any film we, we like we challenge it and name any film and, and we could talk about mental health themes in it yeah, no, as long as we've even, seen it like that doesn't even necessarily have to have a human as a human yeah. in it. it could be you know an anthropomorphized animal S sentient or yeah, sentient conscious yeah. Feeling, mm -hmm. thinking, feeling thing. And uh, I was thinking about that earlier today. You could show a film that didn't have any of that, but you could still have a conversation about mental health, about like what, because humans made it. Mm -hmm. Sort of like, and, and even if humans didn't make it, even if humans programmed a robot to make it, then then you could still go back to that, like what, what were the humans doing? You know, what was that programming about that led to this? So, uh, anyway. Okay, so it takes us around to another question we've got from Craig Wiley. Are there any films that you feel portray a true reflection of mental health? I think I think that's an interesting one about like mm -hmm. like how, how do you like what what does mental health mean? So like sometimes we use the the words mental health, but then what what we actually hear or mean is mental illness. So you know, are there any films that that portray a true depiction of mental illness? That's that's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because what is what is an accurate or sensitive depiction of someone's experience of a mental illness? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the same accurate and sensitive depiction of someone else's experience of a event of the same mental illness the same label that they've been given because people people's experiences people's people are different um and then mental health is even wider isn't it if we're talking about health you know what is there a film that depicts a true you know gives a, a true depiction of physical health like we, we probably would never ask that question because you know, what, what does that mean you know like that might mean 
Pumping Iron with uh, Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno and stuff, you know, the mm-hmm. film about bodybuilding and stuff, or right, you know, could could mean <laughs> could mean anything, couldn't it? You know, could, you know, could just mean people just living a life without disabilities or living a life with disabilities, but living yeah. their lives well, or you know, yeah. I I think looking for the accurate portrayal is a bit of a a red herring, isn't it? I mean, because you are looking for an objective representation of a subjective experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe a better way of looking at some things, you could probably look at some portrayals that are quite sensitive and maybe Mm -hmm. some that are quite kind of stereotypical caricature kind of maybe exploitative in in some ways. I think we could certainly argue that, but there's definitely, there's a lot of gray area in there as well. Um, Particularly if you look at sort of diagnostic models and stuff like that, loads of people could have the same kind of diagnosis, but have completely different experiences. Um, So so that's, it's really, really, really tough to answer that. What what was that French film that we showed about the the lady who was, um, who developed Alzheimer's and and it was her husband's? Uh, Amour. Amour, yeah, like that. That was a really sensitive, mm-hmm. beautiful de- depiction of um, of not not just the lady's experience of developing Alzheimer's, but her, her husband's experience of kind of living yeah. with his wife developing Alzheimer's. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, and then again, then we showed. Um, so I, I always forget the names of them. But what was that Ryan Reynolds one? The one that's uh, actually the, the voices. The voices, yeah. So really probably quite a stereotypical kind of depiction of yeah. guy with a psychotic illness becomes mm-hmm. a serial killer, you know, accidentally. He's a bit, he's a bit thick, you know, a bit kind of bit stupid or something. You know, all these stereotypes around kind of people with mental illness mm-hmm. are really ladled on in, in that film. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen um, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not with Audrey Tattoo in it, talking to the old French? No, uh, it's about erotomania, so it's a, it's a good oh. watch. And at the end, I won't spoil it because no one's ever going to watch it. Uh, at the end, like when they think that she's been taking her medication, she's much better. She escapes out, and then the door shuts, and the person who she's got this fantasy for is made up of all the pills on the back of the door, and you realise she hasn't mm. taken any of her medication. Mm. She goes off on a serial killer spree, and you're like that. Mm, not the world's most sensitive portrayal there. <laughs> Thanks for that, guys. <laughs> but so many questions. Like, who yeah. was her nurse, and why didn't they notice that she was building a doll made of medication on the back of her door? <laughs> Um, we've got some um, questions here coming up about um, people are talking about cars and inside out, um, talking about the kind of work around um, how young people get communicated to through movies, particularly those kind of like Disney movies in terms of mental health. Yeah. And is that something that we'd, would you think about maybe schools, working with schools? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We showed, we showed uh, Inside Out, we showed Pinocchio as well. Um, we showed a number of kind of child, children's films as well. We showed my, my neighbor Totoro and the mm. Studio Ghibli film, and some um, some beautiful uh, Japanese or Korean Irish uh, combination films. Song, uh, of, the Song of the Sea, yeah, as well, yeah, fantastic um, film. Yeah, I mean, like we, so we we've got um, a friends, I guess, in in the states who you run um, a, an organization called Art with Impact, and and they specifically work with kind of schools and businesses, and they they go in and and work around kind of. Um, reducing stigma around around mental illness, but they use they have like a film competition, so people make films um, every month, and and there's a cash prize for for that, and the uh, then they use those films to kind of to help reduce stigma. But uh, mm-hmm. so we we use um, Hollywood films if you are not necessarily Hollywood, but we we use movies rather than um, films that people make them themselves at home. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we, we always tried to kind of choose a, a, a variety of genres to, to make it accessible to, to everyone at some point. You know, I mean, not everyone likes horrors, not everyone is of a, a kind of certain age and stuff like that. So we deliberately showed kind of kids' films so folk can take their kids along. And Scott and I to take our kids along to them as well. And uh, then, you know, I mean, we'll have kind of horror films. And um, so there is, there's essentially something for everyone. But I guess to answer that question, you know, I mean, would we go into schools? Like, there's actually a lot that we would love to do with this but it's a it's a kind of it's a hobby it's a kind of pet project that we sort of do on top of uh, full-time jobs um so like we're we're really passionate about passionate about it and and we love it but we're really limited to i guess being human beings with finite amount of time and a finite amount of limbs as well yeah but as much as it's it's a hobby and it's an interest we we think it's important as well we think that um there's there's some really important stuff there and, and we'd love you know potentially if, if it could become our full-time jobs or, or you know, more of our job, if we could be given time as part of our jobs to to do more of this this sort of stuff, then we have loads of grand ideas. We, you know, we've, we have a book planned, we've got a YouTube channel planned, we've got, you know, all, all sorts of stuff planned. But it, yeah, it requires time. Yeah, it does. Um, Grant's come back and said um, his particular interest is um, how mental health and distress are explored in superhero theme music movies. So we've got superheroes everywhere. I wonder if you guys had any thoughts on superheroes. That's definitely Dan's ballpark, that. Yeah, I, I don't like. I, to be honest, I've not seen any of those uh, Avenger kind of type films in quite a while because they were getting quite formulaic for for me. Um, I think like. I mean, again, I would probably come back to the point that, like, I think we could discuss mental health in any any of these these films. Um, I, I'm quite interested in. I don't know if anyone's seen the Boys that's on Amazon yes, Prime, but that's kind of the, the, the anti Avenger kind of mm. type thing. And there's certainly mm. a lot of really, really interesting kind of uh, mental health themes in that. And um, I mean, that the old Spider-Man trope where great power comes great responsibility. But in the Boys, as you can see, uh, great power for these superheroes actually corrupts them absolutely mm. <laughs> in, in, a, in a lot of ways as well. Um, but yeah, I'd like. I, I think absolutely, you, you could look at. Um, it's maybe someone we should do at some point, Scott, because we've not really done a, a superhero film, but uh, explore the, the mental health themes in that. And I think like, if you look at a lot of these films, uh, even the, the origin stories, they're, they're people kind of coming to terms with their identity and adapting, you know what I mean, and, and changing and stuff like that. And I, I think you can look... Uh, look in the same way at uh, any kind of mental health experience, you know what I mean, that might be really difficult for people. Uh, mental health is not something we can like overcome and cure in the same way that we can with sort of physical uh, health issues at times. So what we have to do is kind of learn about ourselves and we have to develop and grow. Uh, and I think you could maybe map that on a lot of these kind of superhero films. But think about adverse childhood experiences. They never list becoming a superhero because you've been traumatized as a child. <laughs> like adoption, uh, parents being killed yeah. in front of you in an alley. I mean, this is all classic superhero stuff, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. They don't say alcohol use in these movies. So a um, lot of love for the boys online, by the way. That was a, a particular favourite for people. Mm-hmm. I need to get around to that. That's yeah. good. Um, like j- just to publicly shame Scott, Scott has not yet finished watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> I didn't I start haven't. It. I didn't start it when it came out. I only started it like uh, to be, to be fair, two years ago or something. Probably started about two years ago. And, yeah, I haven't like. Yeah, I'm, I'm on episode I'm two. Gone away from it and come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched other things in the interim. Good. 
do. Um, people talking about um, that having fun together being an incredible therapeutic activity. So even beyond like the actual, the actual movie itself, that bonding where everyone's mm-hmm. having the same experience at the same time. I think well, you you touched on that, didn't you, in the movie sense. Mm-hmm. So how are you how are you going to think about adapting then if, you, if we can't have that really bonding, you know, in the dark, hearing a story, just like you would with a saga back in the day, with you know, around a fire. You know, so we, how are we going to replicate it? We did a we did a Twitter. Um, I think we did two, did we? We, we did mm. District Nine, um, and mm. what was the other one we did? What was the other one? I can't remember now. But we we asked people to watch. We we picked films that were on streaming platforms, and we uh, we asked people to to watch the same film as us. We we rewatched it, and uh, and then we we hosted a discussion online. Um, we we kind of sat and and uh, facilitated a discussion around that. Um, and we've talked to um, to people about the possibility of doing a, a sort of watch party, which is something a little bit different. I think like yeah. show the film and have the discussion while the film's on, while we're all watching yeah. it at the same time. Um, we've talked about other stuff, you know, where, you know whether we would do, um, yeah, just just kind of one or two big events um, once once we're allowed to to uh, get to gather together again, but. There's some love as well coming on for the Umbrella Academy. If you guys have any thoughts on that, yeah, I haven't watched that. People, people are very up in in that one. My, my wife and, watched some of it, so I caught caught some of it. I actually looks really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think I will the, go back to that. The follow up question is what's what's your favourite movie? Which I think is so hard to ask somebody who's a movie, but. I, Let's put you on the spot, though. It's it's really tough. I mean, I like I can I can cite that my favourite movie. I, I guess the one that I always go back to, um, which is Akira. The uh, I think it was nineteen eighty two. The Japanese animation. Um, I've loved that for a number of years. I mean, I think I saw it when I was about kind of ten years old at a sleepover at a friend's house. We were kind of in a caravan. We stayed up late and watched it, and it was just sort of blown away uh, by it. I mean, I think it, you watch it maybe through a different lens uh, the, the older you get. Um, and certainly what I see in, in that film, uh, the, the kind of character Tetsuo that develops kind of godlike powers and is sort of uh, battling a kind of a, a drug addiction at the same time um, is just that that sort of sense of kind of figuring out who he is, trying to deal with this kind of sense of power and kind of uh, becoming otherworldly. And it's, it's, it's just a, a mind-blowing experience. It's so beautifully beautifully kind of, I was waiting to say beautifully shot, but I don't know if that um, that counts with animation and stuff. It's beautifully choreographed and kind of um, and scripted. And th- there's something about that, that sort of teenage angst combined with godlike powers that I really connected with. I mean, I, like, I think I'm sure we've all been there in terms of kind of uh, figuring out ourselves, particularly during those kind of teenage years. And uh, imagine having godlike powers at the same time and stuff. And I remember slamming my door in my house and stuff. Like, imagine like sort of destroying cities and stuff like that, because I might, I would have had the anger that, that I could have done that. But yeah, I, like, I, I still, I still adore that film and um, the, like all the graphic novels and stuff, they're just actually behind me, just out of shot. Um, and yeah, there's there's something about my own sense of self and, and my personal experience that really connects with that. And I think that's why that's stuck with me as my favourite film. About you, Scott? Um, I find it really difficult. I think like two, two films that I probably always go back to are um, Kind Hearts and Coronets, like an old Ealing comedy with Alec Guinness and he plays... He plays both the murderer and all the people that he murders. Um, 
So there, there, yeah, there's lot, lots of kind of it's, it's just a, just a funny film really. Um, and then Spartacus as well, the uh, the old kind of well, I guess Gladiator kind of ripped it off. I, I quite like Gladiator as well. But, um, I I love I love the, um, the the Spartacus character and the, the way that he the way that he touches people. Like he's not very he's not he's not a very warm kind of person to to most people apart from his his wife and and his kid. But you, you don't really see much of that relationship. You know, he's, he's kind of taken away from that quite early, but. Um, people are drawn to him. I guess he's he's quite a, a sort of strong, silent type, but he, he adapts to to all the kind of the, the horrors that happen to him. Um, he's, he's he's very flexible, very adaptive. Um, I guess that's that's quite quite key, and that that kind of ability to adapt quite quite key to kind of being able to to maintain a reasonable state of mental health throughout the film in order that he, he has a purpose as well you know we we talk um in fact i was teaching about spirituality just just the other the other week and talking about purpose and meaning in, in life and stuff as part of that mm -hmm. his purpose is really clear to you know to get back to his wife and kid and to, to be part of that family unit again right, mm -hmm. right to the very end mm -hmm. how about you vanessa films i don't think i've got a favorite film i think it depends um depends what mood I'm in like um you know like we were saying earlier sometimes mm -hmm. I like to watch a film where I learn things from other times I just like to relax and watch a film for a bit of stress relief but um if I was to think about a few favorite films I love Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon mm -hmm. in terms of the sort of cinematic beauty of the film um I love Bridges and Madison County I think that's a beautiful film um I love um quite like Lost in Translation um, what else springs to mind? Uh, there's a film that I absolutely love with, um, well, there's a series of them with Ethan Hawkes and Julie Delpy. Um, before where Sunrise. They, before yeah, Sunset, I love that. Yeah. yeah, so very different to your choices, but I guess, um, yeah, I suppose... That, that does make me wonder, do you think with you two being male, do you think there are any sort of gender biases around the films? How do you, how, you know, who chooses the films that you watch and is there a split around gender or is it quite mixed, the people that attend? No, it's a, it's a good point. It's something that we, we've talked about. So generally we we have picked the films, but we what we always do is encourage people to get in touch, let us know if if they want to, to show a particular film and if they want to and, and they feel comfortable to, to then come and, and talk to, you know, tell people why this is why I chose this film or this is why I think this is this is a good film for us to watch or, you know, to then be yeah. part of the kind of facilitating the, the discussion or, or take that, you know. Um, and, and we've run uh, Twitter polls a few times. That, that was how we ended up showing Mamma Mia, actually, is we, yeah. we said, so Dan, <laughs> remember that, uh, when we were in Finland at one time giving a keynote speech at a conference, Dan said, we, you know, we show every, we've shown every genre of film. And then, um, then I, I said, well, actually, we haven't shown kind of rom-com because we'd had a conversation with another lecturer the, the night before and she talked about rom-coms. And, uh, and it, it came from that and said, well, actually, we need to, in order for us to say we've shown, we're open to showing every every genre, then we have to, we have to do that. So we ran a Twitter poll and we hoped that people would pick When Harry Met Sally, um, but they, they picked Mamma Mia. This is what happens, democracy, Absolutely. yet again. A few holes in that one. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm just looking up at um, 
some of the questions, some of the stuff actually we've had, um, we've had these questions already, I think, things about where are you going to head next with your projects? And I think you've sort of filled that in a little bit. Yeah, so I, um, hopefully another another publication about a little bit of research that, that we did around um, student experiences of attending the uh, the initiative and uh, yeah, potentially time dependent, but potentially um, yeah, a few few kind of in person events. Hopefully, if uh, if coronavirus allows and um, and maybe uh, yeah, some sort of presence on online where we can engage with with people in a, in a slightly different way. Yeah, even if it's just us kind of us watching a film and then us having a conversation about it, that's kind of that's, that's sort of how it started. You know what I mean? Us just kind of sitting next to each other at work, um, and we think maybe kind of I guess scaling it back in terms of we used to be showing films uh, once a month, maybe sort of smaller. Um, well, I guess less frequency of of these events, but kind of trying to make them a bit more targeted and a bit bigger, and then we can do something uh, like have a bit of an online presence to kind of build that mm -hmm. in the meantime, and that can engage like a variety of different people. You know, I mean, there's I guess you know, I mean, we're sort of limited to our geographical location that yeah. can get us out to a wider audience and get that conversation mm -hmm. uh, wider as well. Mm -hmm. Got a few last questions, if that's any good. Yeah, sure. Uh, so someone's commenting about the fact that um, we about watch along. So there's a few different comments on Facebook and, and on Twitter about this idea about you know connecting up. And um, there's comments that a lot of streaming services have just twigged that people like to do that, particularly in lockdown. And they're saying you know Disney and people like that are looking at the ability to watch at the same time on screen. So they're trying yeah. to share that that thing. Um, and it'd be interesting to know if this helps with student mental health for helping people to come together, especially those who feel lonely. Uh, Dave's yeah. chipped in saying, if I had to say what's my favourite film, I'd have to say The Hateful Eight. Another yeah. bizarre choice. Love that about you, Dave. That's great. <laughs> There's a pattern um, emerging with, with Dave's choice of films and, and favourite actors. I so aggressive. And then, and then, um, <laughs> is the film The Shining about mental health? That's the good question. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think it, it depends on who's watching it, doesn't it? Like, I think, it, like, so... I guess some people would would say, well, you, you know, you need to go to the director and or, or the writer. So Stephen King wrote the wrote the book, didn't he? And then then you could go to Stanley Kubrick and ask, you know, how, how did he make it? But but actually, it depends on who's watching it and the lens that they watch it through. I think so. You know, like I, I know that there are there are people who've come to to our showing. So some of our lecturer colleagues and and also my mum and and they they've said like I ju I just come to watch the film. I just Came because I thought it was an interesting film, and then they've watched the film knowing that we're encouraging watching it through this lens, and they still haven't watched it through that lens, which is fine. And they've just said at the end, "I just enjoyed watching the film," and that, that's great. So they, but they've brought that lens to it, and I'm, you know, I've just come to watch it and, and be entertained by a film, and then not not kind of put anything else on it. But then I guess if if you watch it and it speaks to you in in some way, or if you you know, but, you know whether that's through personal experience or through your profession or through your particular interest, then then you would potentially you say it is about mental health. I, th I think there's, de there's definitely a lot of mental health experience in that film. I watched it really yeah, yeah. Uh, recently, actually, because I watched The Shining mm -hmm. and then Doctor Sleep uh, back to back, and it was a, a, a nice way of doing it. But I mean, if you look at the The Shining, you know, I mean, there's so much trauma in that film between Danny's mm -hmm. kind of childhood trauma and stuff that you know, I mean, that spooky house and stuff like that, and then mm -hmm. those two ghost girls and all that kind of stuff, um, and then his dad chasing with him an axe, and you know, I mean, the the, the mum's kind of uh, trauma and stuff as well, and then like, of course 
what happens to Jack Nicholson in that film. You know, I mean, is it supernatural or is it a kind of a psychosis or, or kind of delusion that he sort of develops? Um, I, I think it, the thing is about mental health for us, like we normally kind of just do that exercise and empathy and mentalizing and stuff and ask what did folk think and what did they feel and then try and explore the character's experience. And I think if you ask, instead of asking, is there any mental health in this film? Like instead ask, what was Jack Nicholson's Jack Nicholson's experience in this film, what was his character's experience, then we'll quickly get into some really interesting conversations about what might have been going on for him. And I think that that word might is the key thing because it's so subjective. It's subjective in terms of his experience, but then it's subjective in terms of our interpretation of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. We showed um, my neighbour Totoro that I, I mentioned earlier and, um, and the, f- the first question or the f- first statement we, we got, well, it, Dan, it was when you were on holiday, mm-hmm. wasn't it? And it was one, one of your, like you love Studio Ghibli yeah. films as well, so I know you were gutted to, to miss that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I, I showed the film and then the first statement afterwards was a person in the front row said, for me, there was nothing in that film that was about mental health and, you know, like, can, are you going to convince me otherwise or, or something, something like that? So I was kind of rubbing my hands together because I was like, I could talk all day about like what, what was going on in that film. There, there was you know, they, these children and, and their mum ends up in hospital and, and they're separated from the mum and there's the trauma of that and they don't know if the mum's coming back or when she might come back or, you know, all this sort of stuff. And the dad's stressed, he's trying to work full time and he's not really being able to look after the kids and he's feeling that, that pressure. And then the kids see this giant sort of rabbit thing and say, you know, is that, is that real? You know, is that a real experience or what, what's going on? There's t- absolutely tons in, in there, but, um, and, and um, so we, we all had a discussion. I didn't just say, this is what I think, I just put it to the audience. We talked through kind of what other people saw and what, what people thought. And then the, the lady um, came up at the end and said, actually, um, I completely changed my mind. I think everything in that film was about mental health. Yeah, I think that maybe reflects our kind of sort of philosophies in, in terms of how we like to work with people as therapists and stuff in terms of mental health and thinking about, the experiences that people have went through and not trying to kind of necessarily pathologize people and not look at illnesses, look at human beings that have had experiences and often the distress that they uh, are kind of um, are experiencing is like makes sense uh, in the context of their wider lives. So we've talked a lot about trauma. So um, is, do you, um, do you design anything into these events in terms of considering that some of the sort of themes of some of the films might be quite triggering for people? Or is that something that you would just kind of um, support, um, you know, as and when those issues might emerge? Yeah, a l- um, little bit of both, I guess. I mean, like we, we both subscribe to the view that the, the world is, is triggering. So, you know, every, everything in the world is um, <laughs> potentially triggering for, for some okay. people. So. It's probably only so much we can do, but we do we do advertise the film and the age rating from um, and yeah. and we also give an IMDb link so that people can check out you know what the film's about and have a look at that if they if they want to. Um, but yeah. there, there are people who, who come along and, and to say specifically like uh, you know I haven't looked up the film you know and so we always make sure that people also know that we are mental health nurses and therapists and you know although yeah. we're not there as their mental health nurse or their therapist. We, we are there and we are happy to to support people if, if they feel like they need, you know, a little bit. And sometimes people have come and said, you know, I'm having these problems or, you know, my, my son or my daughter or my husband yeah. or my friend or whatever is having these issues. 
don't, you know, feeling a bit lost, and then we've helped to kind of guide them to, you know, where, where might be a, an appropriate support. Yeah, I think of the same that way that we would with our students in class. You know, I mean, we hang back at the end, and sometimes people yeah. come and approach us, and we're willing to have those conversations. And as well, when we're facilitating discussion, we're trying to attune to the audience. You know, what I mean, and that's the thing that's certainly lost with a lot of the online teaching. But we're trying to kind of figure out how people are, uh, and certainly kind of check in with them as a group, and then in individuals if we needed to. Yeah. yeah. Um, something we never mentioned was when, when we do the in-person events, we generally have a, an old school intermission, just like uh, mm -hmm. Spartacus. Um, the, so we, we have the intermission in the middle. <clears throat> we serve pizza or, you know, whatever, whatever the food is at the time. And, uh, and then that provides an opportunity for speaking to people about kind of how they are, as well as, you know, at the end. Of the yeah. And quite social as well, to encourage yeah. people to open up. I can see well, we are supposed um, to be um, finishing, but yeah. there's more questions yeah, coming in. Uh, One more question. Yeah, worst movie. Worst a quick movie. round of everybody. Worst movie. Come on, Vanessa, movie. get ready for this one. Yeah. Um, it is it is from Adrian, so you can say. I, I think the worst movie I ever saw was uh, I used to do befriending and I, I took a wee boy to see a film that he wanted to see. It was an epic movie. So it was one mm. of the you know, like those scary yeah, movies, yeah. it was a kind of uh, I, it was it was just so dire, you know. It just trying so hard to be obviously funny, and it was just it, it was so bad. I but not even not even good bad. Something could be so bad that it's amazing. It was just yeah, bad, just really. bad. Yeah. I can see that, Scott. Um, what, what was that one that you like me? It's not not the worst, but like, what was, don't even do it. Event Event, Event Horizon, Horizon is it like a so cracking film and it, like. It wasn't the worst film. Like, I don't think it's the worst film, but it was what came into my mind when you said worst film. Like, I knew it would annoy Dan, <laughs> but like, I, I think there's something about, like, he, he watched it at a particular time in his life where, like, where the effects and the acting in that film looked quite good. And to it's, me, like, I watched it's it. It's a cult like, classic. It's a, I'm not having I, it. It's a cult classic. No, but I mean, that, that's what we're saying, isn't it? Like, one, one person's to agree to film disagree. could be another person's worst film. But like, mm. I... I really like. I watched it all. I persevered with it, but I, I thought I don't know. It, it looked bad. Like it, I, just the, the look of it looked bad. And then just to, to, to keeping it inside, Dan, it's killing you, isn't it? I, <laughs> I, I like. I, I know that you don't often watch Blu-ray discs, and I think you watched a Blu-ray disc. It made it look clearer. So, and sometimes then it looks so clear that it looks like kind of behind-the-scenes footage. I think that's honestly done something to it because. It like I fair enough, you didn't enjoy it. It's no way as bad as you're gonna make it out. It's that guy's no, I mean, best not, film. No, like, like I say, like it's I'm not, gonna have to cut you off, guys, and come to Vanessa because this, this is clearly unresolvable. The West Bank's gonna get sorted before this is. So let's just uh, let's just go back down to Vanessa. Well, I honestly can't think of one, so I'll have to tweet it later. Do you know what? We've got a couple here. Nikki Haley saying The Cabin in the Woods, and Adrian Jugdall says The Last one. Boy Scout. I would have to say worst Last movie. Boy. Love actually, I hate that film. Oh, I love it. I loathe it so much. I can't even tell you. Like by the numbers, BS. I hate it, and I love bringing up Baby. So you can imagine why I really hate Love Actually. It's like the counterpoint, isn't it? All right, so I'll hand back over to you. I think we're going to have to close down on the questions now. Thank you very much, everyone who's joined in, though. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. yeah. I think you. Like you say, as we're running a little bit over. But I think that's because we've had um, such a great discussion. I've let it go. Passionate on. discussion. Yeah, yeah. Missed, missed, definitely missed an opportunity to say that Young Guns 2 was the worst film ever. I did wonder if anyone was going to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So any, um, just before we finish, any final points from you both, things that we might have missed that you you kind of wanted to cover before before we say goodbye, really? I don't know. I mean, like, I think one of the, the nicest things that somebody ever said to us uh, once we'd been showing films for a while, came up to us at the end and said, you've changed the way that I watch films. Um, and I think like if you if you go into and I think that's probably the same for us now, you know what I mean, now that we've been facilitating discussions mm -hmm. around it, you, you can actually really enhance your understanding of human beings through engagement with the arts. Uh, there's one of my old kind of psychotherapy supervisors that said you could learn as much about psychotherapy from fiction as you could from any textbook. And I think that is because you immerse yourself in, in human experience. And if you really think about it, then there's a lot to be gained from that. I think yeah. along along the same lines, someone also said you've ruined films for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game of two halves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sometimes you maybe just want to switch off and and uh, we can make that difficult, but yeah. Yeah. All right then. Well, I think we'll leave it there and thank you both. Um, it's been, a, like Nikki says, a really lively, interesting discussion. We'll keep an eye on Twitter as we do every week. And it'd be great if we could send a link to the um, to the research that you were talking about. I've already done that. I've done it. Brilliant. Oh, well, there we go. Of course. You thought you're too far ahead of me, Nikki. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we'll leave it there then. And thank you. Absolutely. And see you guys next week for A Year in Our Lives 2020 with Centre for Mental Health. So thank you very much, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.